Hello, creeps. It's the 2023 New Year's Eve special episode, and Alex and I both have COVID. Hell yeah. <laughs> Let's do this. Let's rock, bitch. episode we will be releasing for the year of 2023. As always, I'm Anya. Hi, I'm Alex, and I am riddled with COVID. Yeah, we're yes. both Alex got it, and then like two days later, mind you, we're not with each other. No. Two days later, I was like, hello, like, I'm pretty sure I got COVID, um, which is so funny because we always talk about how we're always synced up in our lives in like mm-hmm. one way or another, whether it's good or bad, just like some – even if it's a stretch of the imagination, we're always just like, see, see, we're yeah. parallel in each other's lives. And this one is very much like, wow, we really are. And couldn't be a better time, you know, trying to celebrate the end of the year and also trying to pump out this episode. And it's just like, well, you're going to hear my my sexy bedroom cold voice. Mm-hmm. Mama got COVID for the first time. It's been, I, I really, I dodged that shit for a really long time because I don't leave my house often, but I had to go. I was in a wedding for one of my best friends, uh, and there were like 300 people there. It was the event of the century, honestly. Uh, but unfortunately, myself and a few others got COVID. Uh, I discovered I had COVID on Christmas. What a delight. And I'm almost alive again, I think. And now it's your turn to die. Yeah, I feel like I've passed. I feel like I told you about it, and you were like, oh, well, then I need to also get it in my body heard that and they said girl on on the <laughs> I don't know how I got it I don't know I know I guess my brother was supposedly sick on Christmas I didn't really notice because mm. my mom was like sick but she was like sick for a day which is why when I got sick the first day I was like it's really bad but I think it's gonna pass in a day don't <laughs> I'm on yeah. day three um but I, I don't know if I got it at, like the movie theater because I haven't been mm. going out a lot either but I'm just like I got it somewhere but anyways, that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about it's not <laughs> no um 2023 horror films. Now, if you are an avid listener of the pod, you're not new here, you already know the drill for what we're gonna do. But if you are new here or if it's just your new your first New Year's Eve special episode, um let me tell you quickly how it's going to go. Um, in total, we are going to talk about 10 releases of horror in 2023. Alex and I have each picked five. As per usual, these are not um, distinctly our top five horror films of the year. Mm-hmm. One, because we both have a lot of overlap in the films we liked, but we want to see only one of us can pick it. And also, this year, we did a lot more... Um, minisodes than we have in the, I think because like the year before we were like we didn't do that many minisodes and we we're like we're gonna do a lot of minisodes this year and then we shot ourselves in the foot a little bit because then it was like so many of the movies we probably would have talked about in this episode they have their own episodes so don't worry you can go listen to us talk about them there there is a place for that we're just not going to talk about them here um so we'll go through it is a also spoiler free episode as always because we're trying to promote give this movie a chance, go see it. Mm -hmm. So we will not spoil anything about it. Um, 
And then after we get through all of those, we will, in the vein of positivity, pick a movie from this year that maybe we didn't like as much, but recommend a different movie by that same director. And then we'll end it out with uh, movies that we are looking forward to in the horror world for 2024. Um, And that's the New Year's Eve special in a nutshell. Yeah, it's so much fun. Yeah. I, I want to give the briefest love to talk to me and saw 10 and I guess scream six, which I think would have all been movies that ended up on our list this year if we hadn't already discussed them at length. So again, recommending those films to you, especially talk to me, definitely one of my favorite of the year, but yeah, we definitely have a ton of overlap. There's definitely at least two on your list that were like high, high on my list. So I look forward to not only discussing my stuff, but your picks as well because there's some good shit in here there's also some random weird shit and you just gotta trust me okay you know guys we had to work with what we had all right and i will say as much as i did love a lot of films this year i think especially comparatively to maybe the last few years that we've done this it's not as strong i think i don't feel as confident in my list as i did like maybe last year but you know every year you're gonna have ups and downs i'm hoping 2024 will fucking slay yeah, and that's not to say, because I think people are quick sometimes to be like, oh, like there's yes. no good horror this year. It was a bad year for horror. Not true. There was a lot of horror. There's always good horror every mm-hmm. year. I just think personally, to our specific tastes, there were sure. less movies this year that we were as enthusiastic about. But there were still I think good had some bangers. So it just like, yeah. it just stands out to me in comparison to last year is like, oh, last year we were really fed so deeply. And this year was good. It was it felt like a very average year, whereas last year felt extraordinary in a way. Yeah. All righty. Well, um, I can kick us off. Um, Go for it. So the the film I'm going to bring first to the table because it is the one I am most excited to talk about. Um, oh, is... I'm going to go. I'm going to go five to one, just for reference. And that's why I'm going to do whatever order you want to do, girl. Um. I'm going to talk about Sick, which was um, written by the legend uh, Kevin Williamson and directed by somebody who I've talked about their movie on a different New Year's Eve special. Um, So once again, as always with the last names, I'm not sure if I'm saying them right. John Himes, I believe it is, Mm -hmm. H-Y-A-M-S. He directed Alone, um, Mm. which was a movie I talked about previous years, one of my favorites. So honestly, at this point, I would love him to continue in the horror world because Alone was his first time going into horror and this is his second time doing horror because he's known for like these like universal soldier like action movies, um, which I'm sure I talked about on that New Year special. But he, I think something about, which plays into Sick as a whole, that makes him really good as a horror director is his attention to action. So in these scenes in horror movies when people are like being chased and that's something that like in a slasher specifically or anything like that, like it doesn't work if you don't have good chase scenes. Mm-hmm. And a good chase scene isn't just like, well, they're running from that person. No, a good chase scene, you got to have like, there's ups, there's down, there's suspense. It goes on for several minutes. It's not just like, I ran into a room, I closed the door and they're breaking the door down. Like, And he nails it. And then you combine that like craftsmanship as a director with the unmatched genius in horror writing, in my opinion, or slash in like writing for teens, that is Kevin Williamson, which to be said, 
it, to me, it is a feat because in general, I'm, we're not that old. But even sometimes now when I think about like if I had to write for like characters that were teens now, I'm like, I feel fucking crazy. I'm fucking 26. And I'm like, how do these, how are these kids talking nowadays? And I feel like I'm pretty much in the same realm of like understanding, but I would get, I get nervous where I'm like, you don't want to be that person that they write a teen movie and everyone's like, girl, teenagers do not speak like this. Somehow Kevin Williamson, and I think that the trick to it is he doesn't try too hard. Mm-hmm. To be like, do the teen talk or do the slang. He just makes them talk like real people. He still writes these fucking teen fucking girls in this movie that like feel real, feel like I believe them. But y'all, it is a slasher. It is kind of, to a certain degree, one location. Um mm-hmm. It does spread beyond that, but the premise is it is during COVID times, which y'all might remember because I definitely, I feel like on one podcast at one point talked about this. I fucking do not want the COVID movies. I was very in that camp of like, shut the fuck up. Because it was happening also like when COVID was just starting. And they were like, oh my God, what if it's blah, blah, with COVID, blah, blah, with COVID. And I was like, I don't give a fuck. We're living through COVID right now and it's miserable. So shut the fuck up. I don't want to hear it. So when I first discovered that this took place during COVID, I was like, and so I get it. If you're already rolling your eyes, I, I understand. I get it. You have to trust that Kevin Williamson knows what the fuck he is doing. He knows what the fuck he is doing. It doesn't even matter because all that is is just a vehicle to get us where we need to be. That's all it is. It's it's not what the movie is fully. Yes, it is. And yes, it isn't. Mm-hmm. I, we won't get into that because I'm not going to spoil anything. But um ultimately it takes time during covid these girls are quarantining at the one girl's like family's like lake house um her boyfriend ends up coming over so it's three of them and then somebody is in the house and that's when mayhem ensues and girl it is a time and i can't say anything else because i cannot spoil this movie for you it is so motherfucking good but what i will say is the performances from the two leads um whose names are um Gideon Adlin and Bethlehem, yeah, Bethlehem Million, what incredible names, um, devouring, like, they're absolute stars. And somebody that I already was familiar with, Dylan Sprayberry, for you mm-hmm. fucking Teen Wolf bitches, who I felt no type of way about him on Teen Wolf. He was, like, very much, like, baby-coded for me on Teen Wolf. Like, he was, like, the new baby they brought in, and I was like, okay. <laughs> he steps his motherfucking boy pussy up and you know what he's a certified fucking star and that's all i have to say yeah i honestly i thought that for a period of time that we had already done an episode on sick because i know how much you loved it and we had like talked about it at length yeah it's yeah i trust kevin williamson with my life um no no shade to radio silence but i do think that if kevin williamson had done screams five and six they would have been you know masterpieces because yeah he is fucking king. When is he been, yeah, he's never done a screen movie that isn't good, so. No, he's incredible. I love him so much. I was thrilled to see him writing something again, writing a new slasher. I Anything that he makes, I'm absolutely going to check out. And it was such an early of in the year film that I feel like yeah. I'm definitely due for a rewatch because I remember parts of it. I don't remember a ton. I remember there's this one really, really good uh, – scare moment uh that is pretty fucked up and stuck with me for the last nine months or so and it just makes me want to watch it again so i highly recommend great choice i've seen this movie multiple times this year but now i'm like 
this is what I'm about to make my mom sit down and watch with me tonight. <laughs> this is so good. Um, yeah, that's my that's my first pick. Amazing. All right. Well, my first pick, you're already going to be like, I don't fucking trust this girl anymore. What <laughs> is she doing? Why is she? Why is this no, her first pick? Her. Listen, trust the process, my friends. My first pick to recommend this year is a little film called Slother House. Yes, bitch. <laughs> Which, you know, is a is a play on Slaughterhouse with the word sloth. Um, it's also <clears throat> a sorority house. It did play in theaters, I believe, at AMC. Um, and You're it's right. yeah. dreaming on Hulu, I believe. So fucking check it out. It follows this girl named Emily, who is a sorority sister, and you know, the new the new school year is starting. I believe it's her senior year. She really wants to be popular. She really wants to be president of her sorority this year, but she's shy. She doesn't know how to go about it. And just from happenstance, she ends up acquiring a wild sloth that she names Alpha, who becomes the mascot of the sorority house. All of the girls are obsessed with her. She becomes popular. But little does she know that little Alpha has plans of her own, murderous plans. And let me tell you, I'm not saying that Slaughterhouse is a, you know, world-renowned film in acting or writing or plot. It is not. It's one of those movies that is so bad that it wraps around to being, like, amazing, where you're like, okay, it's bad, but in a way that they know what they're doing. They understand the film that they're making is about a sloth killing people at high speed, which is also just very funny. Yeah. So, you know, if you go into it being like, this is going to be a silly, campy, fun time. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. But for no other reason, you need to watch this movie for Alpha. Because this fucking puppet that they yeah. have, I was ripping my fucking skin off. I was it was that cute aggression that was yeah. just like drilling itself into my cerebellum. I needed her so fucking badly. Every single time she did anything, she was holding a cup, she was driving a little car. I was screaming, squealing, throwing my body across the couch. It was the most it was probably the closest to God I think I've maybe ever come. So <laughs> I just need everybody to watch Slaughterhouse. For the incredible, incredible puppetry. It also goes really hard and there's a lot of violence and it's very funny and silly and stupid and just what a fucking treat. Highly recommend. Yeah, honestly, I was pretty positive you were going to pick this one, but if you didn't, I would have <laughs> picked it because solely for the puppet. You sounded like fucking me just now about the damn one with aggression. Um, and to be clear, it's a puppet the whole time, y'all. Like, it's a yeah. fucking puppet, which I was not aware was going to be the case. And then I was like, I watched it with um, Honorary Girl Who Cried Before, Roberto. And we literally, the second that puppet came on screen, gagged. He was obsessed with it, too. And not a spoiler, but there is a scene, because you're talking about, like, yeah, like, it goes off at some points. There's a scene, and it happens in broad daylight outside. Yeah. That <laughs> something happens. Like, something random happens, and I remember saying to Roberto, like, oh, what the fuck? And then split second, something else happens. And when I tell you those moments where we looked at each other, holding each other's arms, and we couldn't speak for, like, a solid 30 seconds, we were like, girl, 
what the fuck was that? They gagged me. So yeah, I also definitely recommend Slother House. It's just like the most fun you can have at the movies this year, I think. No, you're right. I love that it brought you closer to God. It did. Um, all right. Well, my second pick, which I know Alex is super excited about, is um, Thanksgiving, which came out around Thanksgiving this year. I'm sure you're all familiar with it. At the very least, you've heard of it. Um, Eli Roth Slosher. I'm thinking about Sloss now, bitch. I know. <laughs> Eli Roth Slasher um, that takes place at Thanksgiving. It obviously originated, if you are not familiar, from the um, – grindhouse fake trailers that several directors made for um grindhouse double feature that quentin tarantino had um with um what the fuck is his name robert rodriguez Rodriguez. um and one of them was the thanksgiving like slasher movie fake trailer that now has been made into a full film and has already been greenlit for a sequel um i think just baseline i Love a slasher, as we already know. Um, I love a theme, which you talked about multiple times in the podcast. If you have a theme to your slasher and you play into that fucking theme, I'm going to eat it up. And they do. They play into that Thanksgiving theme the whole fucking time. If you're an East Coast girly, especially if you're from Massachusetts, which Alex, I'm sure, will have something to say in a moment, I think it really appeals to that audience. Um, And I really had a great experience seeing it because I went with the roomies who are both honorary girls of Kirby Horror, Roberto and Abby. Um, and I saw it on 35 millimeter at the newly opened Vista theater where they also actually had the premiere for the movie um, like a week or so before. Um, and what a fun experience that was, um, which anytime I feel like you have like a good like environment for your viewing experience, mm-hmm. that really it. so truly had a delightful time. We saw it right before Thanksgiving and I felt like girl, I'm thankful for slashers. Um, yeah, but Alex, I'm, I'm sure you have things you want to say about this. Oh, yeah. Thanksgiving, I would say – I would say other than Talk to Me, Thanksgiving is probably my favorite horror of the year. Um, you know I love Eli Roth. If you've listened to our Cabin Fever episode, you know I'm a fucking Eli Roth stan. Saw that motherfucker at the Mystic Museum in California and geeked out. Um, yeah, it was a great experience. I – I feel like we've talked about it before when we've done Christmas horror, where there's so many horror films set around the holiday seasons, Christmas, New Year's, Halloween, even like April fucking Fool's Day, birthdays, but there's very little in the Thanksgiving realm in terms Mm -hmm. of horror. So I was thrilled that now we have a slasher staple that will be just for Thanksgiving. I feel like it's going to become a a classic immediately. It's also one of those films where I feel like they can really – take off with this and make multiple films and become mm-hmm. and just create this new character. But yeah, it was it was also an experience. I think again, like you said, seeing it in theaters, my theater experience was very special to me because I saw it on Thanksgiving and mm. I saw it in Methuen. And there is a line, because obviously this is set in Plymouth, where one of the characters is uh he's like yelling at these kids to like leave the party and he goes, go back to Methuen, you fucking dorks. And everyone in our theater was like, hey. Oh, no. <laughs> um, it was just so funny. And I love seeing anything that is, you know, in my my area. It feels very just home. It feels like home. And I think, unfortunately, all of the characters were so genuine where I'm like, I know so many people like this. Huh. I know people who talk like this. I know people who act like this. The first 15 minutes of the film to, like, set up the plot 
is on a Black Friday sale. And I'm like, yeah. this is frightening, not because it's like a scary movie. This is frightening because this actually happens. Yeah. And I can imagine this happening with these kinds of people. And so it had that like visceral just reality to it that added a lot for me. Um, but on top of that, the slash, the, it was just as a slasher as a whole, it was really well done. Some really fucked up kills, some really yeah. gruesome effects. I really appreciate directors who will take it a step further than you expect and will push that boundary. And Eli Roth has always been somebody who will push the boundaries, whether you like him or not. You know, I know he's a, he can be a very divisive director, but for the most part, I really appreciate what he brings to the table. And I think this is definitely one of my favorites that he's made probably since like Hostel 2. So glad Eli's back. Happy to have him. Hope there's a sequel. There is, dog. They've already confirmed it. Eh, yes, I want it. I need it. <sighs> All right. My next pick uh, is another film that's on Hulu, if you want to check it out. It is called Cobweb, which mm. stars mother Lizzie Kaplan, which honestly oh. – honestly. 94% of the reason why I originally watched this movie is just because Lizzie Kaplan was the star and I am obsessed with her. Um, and, you know, I think going into it as blind as possible makes for a more enjoyable experience, obviously based on the name of the film and a lot of the visuals, I anticipated that it was going to be about a big spider. Um, yeah. It is not about a big spider. So if you uh -huh. don't like spiders, don't you worry. Uh, the premise is a young boy who lives with his parents and he hears a voice behind his bedroom wall and it really frightens him and he doesn't understand what it is. He tries to talk to his parents about it and they shut him down. They want nothing to do with it. Very much that parent thing of like, oh no, it's just your imagination. You're having nightmares, blah, blah, blah. Um, but as he continues to hear the voice and tries to uncover the mystery of what is going on. His parents begin to act stranger and stranger until it builds to a third act reveal, which I will say that for me, the reveal and the twist or whatever you want to call it works really well in theory. I think it's a really cool concept and I think mm. visually it was startling, but at the same time, I don't think it, was as satisfying as I wanted it to be. But at mm. the same time, the film is so atmospheric and spooky and just so strange that the build up to the reveal was so intriguing that honestly, when the reveal happened, even though I was slightly underwhelmed, I didn't care because I had such a fun time wondering what the hell it was going to be. So I really enjoyed it. Lizzie Kaplan gives an incredible performance as she always does because she is mother and I think it's a perfect movie to watch at Halloween time. So if you yeah. don't get around to it, oh. next Halloween, I'm sure it'll still be streaming. It has very much the the Halloween-ish. There's pumpkins everywhere. They have like a huge pumpkin patch. It's very spooky, yeah. very cool. So yeah, definitely I think more of an underrated and an, an a hidden film because I don't know if it necessarily was in theaters this year. Yeah, if it was, run yeah, a very limited release. Um, but it came to streaming pretty quickly, so – and it's it's only an hour twenty eight, which is also, of course, uh, always you know, a bonus in its camp. So yeah, um, yeah. Somebody and I agreed after I saw it, like kind of described it as like almost like 
uh, goosebumps for adults kind of vibe. Yeah, that which it definitely has that vibe. Um, and also Anthony Starr of The Boys, who plays Homelander, mm-hmm. is in it, and only confirms that he can now know ever again play a character that you don't believe is like scary and psycho. <laughs> like he just there's something in his fucking eyes, girl. Like God has abandoned him. <laughs> and he needs what? to watch Fatherhouse. And he's bringing in the checks, so good for him. Because um, I do think he's a very talented actor, but it is just like, not even for a minute do I trust him. I'm sorry, I can't. Now, for my third pick, um, I am going with a movie that I also know Alex very fond of. Um, mm-hmm. It, uh, I don't think it had a, it definitely probably was at festivals, um, but I don't know that it had a, a theater release, but it was uh, a Shutter release. Um, when Evil Lurks, um, which I'm sure it got a lot of talk for a certain degree. Uh, it's an uh, Argentinian film. Um, and it's truly uh, mean-spirited and foul, to be honest with you. I'm not going to sit here and be like, it's the craziest thing I've ever seen or the grossest thing I've ever seen. No, but it is mean-spirited and it is foul. And I know last year um, there was a movie, Speak No Evil, I believe, that everybody was like- The Danish film? Yes, which I, it's getting a fucking American remake, shocker, because they won't let anything yeah. fucking stand. Um, I was not personally a fan of it. That's all I'll say about that. But I know people were, like, comparing it to this. And to me, this – it's not even comparable. Like, to me, Peace and Love, like, I'm like, this actually did something for me. Um, but essentially, the broader premise, because I don't want to say too much because, like, there is a, a decent amount going on. I don't want to spoil anything. But they're in a small town and – Oh, in this universe, um, possessions work almost like zombie infection. So if somebody is possessed, they can pass that possession without even losing it themselves to other people until it's like amassed all this shit. So, and they call them, I believe, like an infected. Um, the rotten. The rotten. Um, and it starts with, of course, somebody discovering there's a rotten. And let me tell you, the fucking like, makeup effects they do for this shit mm-hmm. will make the do, do not and i've warned you do not be eating don't be drinking don't be doing anything when you do this movie because you will be fucking sick to your stomach like it's nasty um like i can't i like imagining it in my mind i'm like Ugh. it's like if you if you've seen seven it's like if you take the guy uh who's in the sloth yeah trap but he's also the guy from the gluttony trap as one man yeah that's yeah. that's a good description. Um, but yeah, so then it turns into like this whole thing where they're like, you know, all these men are trying to like figure out like, how do we, what do we do? Like, do we kill him? Do we move him? Blah, blah, blah. And what I will say is that all the damn women in this movie are saying to do one thing or anytime I say to do something, and this is mm-hmm. not a spoiler because this is just fucking reality, bitches. What do you <laughs> fucking think the men do? They don't motherfucking listen. And then that's how we get a fucking full ass movie. Because if they listened, this shit would not happen. Um, but yeah, then it of course escalates because decisions are made and it starts to spread. And girl, they said, fuck everybody in this movie. Nobody is safe. I mean, when I say everybody, I mean everybody and everything, girl. Like, I'm not going to say specifics, but I think you can put two and two together. Every motherfucking body. Um, yeah, it, it, it um, it truly, I was like, okay, damn, I'm here. I'm watching. You've got my attention. Um, and I think it, it definitely made it a standout for the year for me. 
Yeah, I this absolutely would have been top of my list as well. It's it's very violent and very dark in terms of the content. They they pull a few punches here and there where I was really taken aback that they went that far with it in a way that obviously I really appreciate. Um, And I have a hard time in general with possession films, specifically American possession films, because for me, pretty much every American Hollywood type possession film is so entangled in religion. And once they start bringing priests in and start like praying the demon away, I immediately lose interest. It just feels so silly to me every single time, which is why I think I'm way more drawn to foreign possession films because, first of all, it's usually not Catholicism if it is a religion. And if it's a different kind of religion, it's typically something I'm unfamiliar with. So it it feels a lot more fascinating to me than just your, the fucking boring-ass Catholicism I've grown up with. Yeah. But this film doesn't have anything to do with religion. At all. They they really just throw it out the window. I think there's maybe one line that's like, God is dead, and that's about it. Whereas like you had mentioned, instead of it being this religious possession, it's more of like an infection and a virus that is being passed along. So it it feels a lot more grounded in reality, in my opinion. Um, and it is just fucking scary. And it the the pace of the film never lets up. It starts and you're in it, and they're moving, and they're going, and shit just keeps happening over and over. It's 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 a delightful, uh, fucked up movie. Highly recommend. I know. I think it's being marketed as like the must see horror of 2023, and I don't disagree yeah. with that. Um, and yeah, I definitely we definitely talked about this on the pod before. Um, but I don't think I have as as much of an aversion to the possession stuff as you do, but I don't disagree, and I think. That a lot of times also the issue with that shit, especially when it's like Christianity and it's like an American movie, is then it becomes like this preachy thing at a certain point yeah. where it's like, all you have to remember is that if you have kept God in your heart, this wouldn't have happened. And I'm like, girl, the exorcist believer, I know this is a, this is a, an episode about positivity, but like I just have to waste my time on that. So that's a prime example of like them being doing too motherfucking much. Shut the fuck up. Anyways, to move on. Yeah, excellent, excellent choice. Um, my next one is a – I believe it's a prime original film. It is Totally Killer, uh, which yes. came out I think this summer maybe. Um, it is a horror comedy slasher starring Kiernan Shipka, which I think most people at this point know her as Sabrina in The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. But I personally – have loved her since her wee days on Mad Men and mm. also Black Coat's Daughter, which I love. I think she's great. I think she really serves in this film. Um, it's your classic uh, – it kind of feels like um, Freaky almost, uh, the yeah. movie Freaky that came out a few years ago, um, where the plot – the basic plot is she is she's dealing with an overprotective mother – who is overprotective because when she was her age, friends of hers were murdered uh, by a man that was never caught. It's like a true, like a cold case, true crime situation. And that person has now come back for her mother. And 
she ends up in a time machine that her best friend has created going back to 1987 when her mother was in high school with her friends before the murders happened so she can try to stop it from happening so that her mother will not die in the future. And it's just very funny. I I found the dialogue, like we were talking about, and like I think with like Black Christmas 2019, sometimes when you try to write Gen Z dialogue, it can be very cringy. And I think that for me, this really worked. And I thought it was also interesting because it was kind of a, a blending of Gen Z dialogue and like 80s dialogue, which I think mm. complements each other really well. And it brought back all of our favorite tropes from our rating system. You know, you have the airhead blonde, who's actually a redhead. You have the idiot jock, the stoner, the mean girls. You have it all. If you love the, you know, the stereotypes of slashers, they have at least one of each. Yeah. Uh, it has time travel. It has really good kill sequences and chase sequences. It's very violent. It's unexpectedly violent for how much humor I think is in the film because I think it does lean more comedy than horror a lot of the times. But then Mm -hmm. when the horror elements do come in, it is way more aggressive than I was expecting it to be. You have multiple twists coming in left and right. So it's overall just a very enjoyable watch. I had a lot of fun with it. I rewatched it last night and again, had a lot of fun with it. Um, it's it's not reinventing the wheel Mm-mm. by any any degree, but you know, I do appreciate a horror slasher that does it right, and I think it would be a really wonderful double feature with uh, Final Girls. I think that would pair deliciously well to do Totally Killer followed by Final Girls, which if you also haven't seen that, just a, a shameless plug for Final Girls. Love Final Girls. Love that movie. Or but you know, Movies about girls who want to save their moms and have to travel in time or space into a slasher. What's not to love? Um, Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I also had mentioned when I reviewed this movie that it definitely drew to mind the final girls. Um, Mm -hmm. Definitely doesn't reinvent the wheel, um, as you said, um, because anything I think that like, I'm going back in time and I'm going to be with my parents when they were young, girl, it's giving back to the future. Like, come on. And it also made me think of Happy Death Day. Like, there's very much you can see influence, whether intentional Mm -hmm. or not, in this. I still thought it was cute and I had a fun time with it. Um, It has everything you said you were talking about, but it has really fun set pieces too like there's a final set piece when they're in the 80s that's really fun um and i specifically the woman that plays um kieran shipka's mother when she's younger in the 80s the actress's name is olivia holt she Mm -hmm. ate the fuck up to me i looked her up and i think she's like was on like disney she had some disney channel connection like i think she was in one of those descendants movies or some shit i have no fucking idea i don't remember but like that's all i could see that i was like okay that's where she's stemming from um which to be fair like those things they like fucking like pump out fucking stars all the time those like shows even though like it feels silly to us now i think because like um, we're not watching the disney channel shows but like think of all the stars that we had that became bigger stars when we were growing up oh, yeah um but she's she, no she ate she was great um i really was like she's giving star power like every time she was on the screen i was like yeah she's really fun and i'm i'm loving her yeah she was great well to get to my second to last select this is a movie that if you told me earlier in the year i was gonna select for this i would have told you, you were fucking crazy <laughs> and if we hadn't done all those damn mini shows, i wouldn't have selected it but um my fourth is Renfield. Now, I remember when they were playing this motherfucking trailer before 
every movie. And I remember specifically me and Cornelia, we would go to the movies and we'd be like, please don't do it, please don't do it. And the Renfield trailer would come in and literally out loud we'd be like, oh, like we were being fucking shot. It was just like, let it go. So when we were like, well, we have to, we're going to have to fucking see this movie. Low expectations. I had fun. The thing is like when it is Nicholas Holt as Renfield and it's Nick Cage fucking going crazy as Dracula, like just like being like, and there, there's really great gore in this movie. Like when it's doing that, it's like, I'm having a fucking time. My gripe with the movie is the Aquafina storyline. I am not an Aquafina fan. I'm not a fan when I see her in movies. That's my personal preference. Moving on from that. Um, but focusing on the actual horror horror of the movie, when it's doing its fun horror bit and not doing its like Aquafina and Departed nonsense, um, it's great. Um, and yeah, I, I just truly like Nicholas Holt. I um, I had a Nicholas Holt phase growing up when Warm Bodies came out. I was like, man, mm. I was obsessed. I literally went and like bought Warm Bodies so I could read the book before the movie came out. Um, Nicholas Cage obviously is a star. Um and for good reason. I mean, this is like when I think it was when this announced and it was like he's gonna play Dracula. It was like, yeah, that motherfucker's gonna go crazy. He's he's gonna have a great time, and thus we're all gonna have a great time watching it. So ultimately that was my great takeaway from Renfield and why I think it is deserving of at least one watch is the actual horror elements of it all, which presumably if you're listening to this, you're a horror fan and that's what you're looking for. So I think it's worthy. It's so funny to me that you and Cornelia were sick of the trailer because I had the exact same experience. Every time Greg and I went to the theater, that trailer would play and I would be like, oh my fucking God. There's always, every single year, there is one trailer that gets overplayed that immediately I'm like, I hate this movie. I can't do it. And Renfield was at this year for me. They were playing it to the point where it had already come out. It was already yeah. playing like next door. And I was like, why are you still showing me this? It's already out. I don't want to do it again. Um, so I did not catch it in theaters, uh, I think because I was traumatized. Yeah. But I did see it when it came to streaming. And I had a similar thing where I was like, I don't think I'm going to really like this, but I'm going to give it a chance. And I had a good time with it. I found it very enjoyable. Um, I also love Nicole. I don't have an aversion to Aquafina. I feel very neutral on her. I think that she can be very funny. And I do think that there are moments in this that I really enjoyed her. Um, but yeah, the gore is great when he, I mean, the whole thing with Renfield is like he eats a bug and then he has like his powers. And I think every time that he ate his bugs and he became juiced up and then they had the fight sequences, they were really great. There's one particular yeah. fight sequence that stands out in my mind where he's just going fucking hard on all these people. And it's really like unexpectedly graphic yeah, and it goes hard. I appreciate it. But also I think, and I could be very, you know, alone in this, but I, for me, there have been so many Dracula centric films across fucking horror history and not a lot about Renfield. I really didn't know the character yeah. of Renfield very well. So I think if nothing else, it at least gave me more knowledge about, you know, the Dracula sphere and about, who Renfield is and his relation to him. So I had an enjoyable time with it. I, you know, if you're somebody who just enjoys watching Nicolas Cage be a fucking freak, this is a great addition to his his collection because he continues to be a weird little creature. Yeah. It's worth it. I think it's worth your time. 
Um, well, yeah. Well, there it is then. All right. My second to last pick is a movie that I was really excited about when I saw the trailer and then I missed it in theaters. And honestly, everybody that I knew who saw it felt very lukewarm on it. So I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm really going to like it. And Greg and I watched it last week or two weeks ago and I kind of loved it. So I'm going to recommend The Blackening. Mm. It is currently on Stars. if you have a subscription. It, yet again, is a horror comedy about a group of friends who rent a house for the weekend only to discover that they are being hunted by a killer who is forcing them to play this very racist game where they have to answer horror trivia and uh, black history. And it's essentially testing their blackness. And it is one of the most original films I think I've seen in terms of slashers in a long time. It's very funny. I do think it is the funniest movie I saw this year. Damn, you know, okay. I laughed really fucking hard at this movie. I think it's incredibly clever. I think the script is really great. There are multiple lines that I just quote to Greg off the cuff all the time because I think it's so funny. The acting is amazing. Overall, I just think it had like a lot of I, – I, I say this – Liberally, it has a lot of scream elements in my opinion. Obviously, I'm not comparing it to scream, but there are definitely moments where I feel like there's clear inspiration for the structure of this film from scream, which obviously I appreciate. And while I would have appreciated and liked it to lean a little bit more into the horror elements, because what in, in terms of like actual horror, there's not a lot, um, there's not a lot of kills, there's not a lot of violence um but i think that that works for the concept of the film as well because you know the tagline is like we can't all be the first to die or something yeah yeah, um, yeah. is very funny and despite the fact that i i do wish maybe it went a little bit harder in terms of horror i think it's still a very much like a cat and mouse kind of film where they're still always running from the killer. They're still always trying to escape and fight off who is doing this to them, figuring out why they're doing it to them. And it's just kind of a, a great character study of, you know, what it means to be black and within like the black community. I think it's really, really fascinating. I think it's funny as hell. The acting is amazing. And I honestly want to watch it again. I really recommend it. Yeah, I mean, it's so funny because Tim Story, uh, who is mm -hmm. the director, like, the things he's directed are not not crazy, I guess, in comparison to this, but, like, he directed, like, the two Fantastic Four movies that had fucking Chris Evans in them. Um, mm -hmm. He directed, like, the Tom and Jerry movie that came out in, like, 2021. And then, like, he's directed, like, the Ride Along movies, Shaft, Taxi, which we're going to love. Barbershop. Barbershop. Yeah, like, um, mm -hmm. which obviously some of those are definitely, like, black-centered stories. And then other ones, like, Fantastic Four. You're just like, <laughs> okay, yeah. Not that he, that's all he can do, but it's just, like, what a what an arrange of... And this is, to my yeah. knowledge, the first, like, thing, entrance into horror, which obviously, as you're saying, like, there's a lot of comedy, which would play more into, I think, things he's done before. Like, I think he's done a lot of action comedy type stuff, and Barbershop is comedy and blah, blah, blah. I think mm -hmm. it's comedy, my understanding. Yeah, um, but um, 
Yes, it feels like the first step into the horror world. Um, But you brought up how you thought this was the funniest film of the year. And what I will say to you then is, I don't know if you've watched it or not, but then I would recommend to you on HBO, I think it's got three seasons so far. I've watched all of it. Um, Is um, a black lady sketch show because the humor is like it like when I was watching it I was like this feels like an extended sketch mm. from a black lady sketch show so I feel like you would really uh have a good time with that show um add it to my list immediately well, that's my personal recommendation for you based on your recommendation of the blackening I think I just went into it expecting it to be mid because everybody was like eh, it was fine and then I was like fucking yeah. roaring and I was like oh my god this is the funniest shit Well, sometimes, yeah, I think it's interesting, like, the way that that works sometimes, where it's just, like, sometimes if everybody's, like, this is bad, blah, blah, that can affect your viewing in a way where you're, like, already influenced to feel like it's bad. So, like, even if you might have liked it without any influence, you're going to be, like, yeah, blah, 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 like, looking for all the flaws, because I've definitely had that happen to me. But I think, weirdly, sometimes the reverse will happen, too, where, like, everybody can be telling you, like, yeah, it's bad, 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 bad. So you go in with, like, the low expectations, and then you're, like, I don't know what the fuck y'all were talking about, because I had a great time. So. It's really hit or miss of what way it will go, but I'm happy for you that it went to being the movie that made you laugh the most this year. It really did. It's like that kind of humor that takes a second because I think the writing is very clever and I think it's also a lot of the way that the actors deliver a lot of the lines is very funny. Um, but there's, yeah, there's just so many moments where it like take took me a beat and then I would just like... <laughs> There was one moment in particular that Greg and I had to pause the movie because we were laughing too hard and then we had to rewind it. And it was a Jermaine Fowler line. He's so fucking funny and so bizarre in this film. If you're a fan of Jermaine Fowler, he gives a uh, <laughs> bizarre, un, uh, unexpected performance for who he is. Well, actually, I'm looking now and there, if there's uh, – it looks like they've been greenlit for a sequel – because there's oh, an untitled yeah. The Blackening sequel listed on Letterboxd. There's no um, director attached, but Dwayne Perkins, who was in the movie, who also mm-hmm. um, produced and wrote, partially wrote the movie, is attached to produce and write um, the sequel. Love that. I'm all um, in. All right. Well, my final pick, <laughs> which is going to feel so fucking stupid and so random, but honestly... <laughs> Part of because like the order I would, you did it in. <laughs> doesn't matter. I would debatably <laughs> almost stand by this more than I would stand by Renfield, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> Look I'm giving her right now. You just have to hear me out. Okay. okay. My final pick is The Pope's Exorcist. No, no, wait, wait, wait. Before, wait, wait. before you guys lock off, before you fucking hit pause and don't ever come back. Listen to me, please. After I just rant and rave about how I hate religious possession American possession films. <laughs> well, to be fair, let's hear, hear me the fuck out. No, the Pope's Exorcist is one of those movies where it's like, um, you know, the like we have to do the fucking exorcism, the exorcism movie every year and it's going to be dog shit. Russell Crowe in this movie, I like have to contain myself because like my tear ducts are gonna start fucking watering. Um, I'm so emotional, Russell Crowe. Um, he is having the most fun. This movie, I'm once again like Alex at Slaughterhouse. I'm not gonna sit here and be like Pope's Exorcist, best fucking horror movie of the year. Not even close, y'all. Okay, I understand that. Not even close. But in my opinion, much better than it had 
any right to be. This should have been an easy fucking no contest, one star movie. I'm ready to fucking get out of the theater. Cornelia and I went and saw this and we were like, I don't think we were alone, but it was like maybe like one other person in the theater with us. It was like very empty. And it was like middle of the day. I feel like matinee. We had gone and gotten fucking Dunkin' Donuts. We're eating like fucking bagels and fucking egg fucking whatever the fuck in the back of the theater. Having a time of our lives because it's just kind of crazy. Like, You've got fucking Russell Crowe doing the most. He's on his little fucking Pope's Exorcist moped. He's having fun. Like, the whole movie, he's having fun. Um, There is a possessed child in the movie, which is nothing new, usually to an Exorcist movie. The shit they have this kid doing, we were like, there is one specific line in the movie that we literally choked and had to, like, take a brief pause within ourselves. Um... And then, yeah, it just kind of goes batshit. There's, like, a whole thing at the end where it's kind of going, like, crazy. Um, Which, to me, during this, even though, like, he literally is, like, the Pope's exorcist, he's, like, working with the Vatican. Like, to me, it never felt like one of those movies where it is just, like, preachy. And even if they thought they were doing that, they were failing at it. Because I was just, like, I don't care. Russell Crowe is so silly for doing this. And I think they've been... Wait, let me check this. I feel like they've been like confirmed for a sequel because then we were talking about it afterward. (laughs) And I was like, what I want for the sequel, because like I want him to go on the road. And I want want him to go to like a tropical location for like the next exorcist or some shit, like a resort type vibe. And then the exorcist he has to work with is um, Ryan Gosling. So okay. then it's like that movie, The Nice Guys, yeah, or yeah, yeah. That, where yeah, they get yeah. to pair up again, except they're both like silly actresses and Ryan Gosling is like always wearing like a Hawaiian shirt or some shit. All right. Mike um, White, White Lotus 3. Here we go. No, Mike White, <laughs> Ryan Gosling, and Russell Crowe for White Lotus 3. I'm so fucking curious. Wait, fuck. I need to check out the sequel. I, I want him know. to have like a Pope mobile that goes around kind of like a – like a a mobile like dog wa- like washing company but it's for exorcisms and he just Shut goes on a road trip up. across the black box everyone can see from the outside <laughs> um yeah it's it's fucking stupid i'm not gonna sit here and be like you guys are gonna be like rallying in the streets but i just think like it's fun and it's stupid and if you go in being like i just want to ha- see russell crowe put his whole fucking pussy for no reason into this stupid exorcist movie then you're gonna be pleased. <laughs> I think <laughs> Alex is like really struggling to say something. No, well, I think I have the opposite experience as the blackening with this, where like I saw the trailer and I was like, this looks <sighs> fucking terrible. But then everybody I know saw it and they were like, I don't know, it kind of slapped. And I was like, wait, <laughs> what? So when it came to streaming, Greg and I watched it expecting it to slap. And I think I just would have enjoyed it more if I had been with you and Cornelia having the experience with my friends. So maybe it's one of those movies where it's great in like a group setting where you can really just kind of laugh at it and have a good time. I will agree a thousand percent that Russell Crowe has a great time and he's unhinged. And I feel like that's kind of become just part of his acting career at this point. Like he started out doing these like Oscar worthy performances and then lately he's just been i don't know what kind of accents he thinks he's he's giving but i'm here for it it's weird as hell i do like a good evil child you know i'm not gonna shit on it it's 
I don't remember a ton of it, to be completely <laughs> honest. Um, because I think girl, for me, I don't know that I remember a ton of it too. So, well, I think also like a lot of these possession films for me kind of blend together because they do have so many of the same, uh, you know, moving parts. But if you want to watch an unhinged Russell Crowe performance, look no further. Absolutely, no, literally. Um, it's the best unhinged Russell Crowe you'll get all year. Um, yeah, last year was uh, that fucking road rage movie I hated. Oh yeah, wasn't it called like Unhinged or something? I think it was. I hated it. I hate Road Rage. Uh, he was really he was popping off in that one. I didn't want to um, see that because I'm just like I like I don't know like because like he has that look or at least he did for the movie where I'm like he is giving like big angry gross white dude that I was just like mm-hmm. that exists too real for me that I'm like I'm not gonna have fun in the movie. I just like I'm just going to the whole time just exactly. be uncomfortable. So like I'm not doing it. I've I've had too many experiences of big guys in trucks trying to like be like threaten me and I'm like I'm just a little woman. What are you doing? Leave me alone. Literally, why are you as a man threatening me as a beautiful woman? It's matter sick. All right. Wow. What a way to end your list. Pope's I know. Go down on top. (laughs) Well, my final pick is also a film that is on Shutter. I also don't know if it got a theater release Um, but it is on shutter it is called birth slash rebirth Mm -hmm. and it's definitely a i i would say it feels to me like a cross between a frankenstein film and possessor which was one of my favorite films a a few years ago where it takes the i think the, the the basic plot it has a lot of frankenstein type elements but it reminds me of Possessor in just the atmosphere of it and also the like the science that they create within the film that is slowly unraveled and explained to you as it goes on. It's one of those films where I appreciate where it's not trying to like hold my hand throughout the whole film where it's showing me things and I don't really understand what's happening at the moment. And then three scenes later, it all ties together and it's this like, oh, oh, okay. And the the <coughs> twists and the secrets unravel in that way, which I find a lot more enjoyable than them just being like, this is what is happening. Um, yeah. But it follows two women starring um, – sorry. There is starring Judy Reyes, who most people would know as Carla from Scrubs. Hell she yeah. gives – the performance of the year. She's incredible. She has like no makeup on the whole movie and these like gorgeous freckles on her nose and I just couldn't stop staring at her. She's just so beautiful and such a like an understated performance. It's her and Marin Ireland who also gives a powerhouse freak fucking performance. The role very much feels like it was written for like Andrea Riseborough, but mm. Marin Ireland slays. It's about two women who both work in a hospital. One is a nurse and the other works in the morgue. And their lives intersect after the death of a child as they try to, using science, recreate life from death. It takes a lot of turns that you might not expect. And it goes in a lot of a lot of dark places because it is such a, a human-driven story. And it is such a slow burn where at the heart of it, it is just about grief and loss and what you will do to get the person that you love back and how far you will go. And I think it – but with the two women, there's a constant battle between, you know, just a, like a mother's love and uh-huh. science 
and which is going to win out. And it's fascinating. And it definitely does some stuff I wasn't expecting. It's not a fun time. It's very much a slow, kind of grim movie. But very, very human at the heart of it. Amazing performances. If you are a fan of Possessor, I know it's not technically that similar, but it, it gave a same similar vibe for me. I feel like it would be a good double feature. So Birth Rebirth, highly recommend, worth your time. Yeah, I thought it was good as well. And something else it makes me think of is obviously Reanimator because Reanimator is about reanimating corpses. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Marin Ireland, I guess, is giving the female equivalent of Jeffrey Combs in Reanimator. But the difference is that obviously Reanimator, if you've seen it, is – very colorful, very zany, very campy, very fun. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Until you get to the fucking severed head, like, assault scene, which we won't get into it. Um, But, I, I, and obviously to a certain degree, I'm like, oh, I wish that, like, you know, the, the lady reanimator movie, I wish they get to have fun. I wish they got to be, like, zany and blah, blah, which I still feel. But what I will say, I guess, to almost contradict myself what I think is interesting is that, of course, in the movie Reanimator, when it's men who get to reanimate the corpses, it can just be like, oh, crazy, and what the fuck's going on, and da 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 da. Where in this movie, when it's women, and I will say very little because I don't want to spoil anything, but because in general, in life, people with female reproductive organs are the individuals that in theory create life. They're the ones that house it and birth it. And Mm -hmm. thus far, the only people that can do that. Um, It feels like the stakes are automatically different when it comes to creating life, which I won't say anymore because once you watch the movie, which I hope you do, it will make more sense what I'm saying. But it's an interesting thing when I think you look at it that way, like, and that's why this movie has to be like, they're carrying a heavier load. It can't be like, and what if we make this severed head come to life and start doing stupid shit? Like, Mm -hmm. it's like the consequences for them and the stakes because of their involvement in one way or another is so much higher and thus so much more serious. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great way to put it. Um, well, that rounds out your list. Great list. Um, which now... We get to move on to our secondary recommendations, which is when we will each pick a movie from this year that perhaps we weren't as much of a fan of, um, but the director has some other piece of work that we would like to recommend to, you know, still spread the love. So I can go first. Um, my pick, um, there is a movie um, that came out this year called The Passenger, Um Directed by Carter Smith, and it does star um, somebody that we love so fucking much, um, which is um, Kyle Gallner. And love him. No, literally, girl. I've been in love with him since Haunting in Connecticut, okay? Like 2000. Let me be fair. Let me put this on the fucking record. Alex has loved him before I loved him because Alex was talking about him at one point when he was like in fucking Jennifer's body doing the goth moment. And yeah, he, I love he never did anything for me that. And I was just like, yes, girl, go off. And it wasn't until, and I don't know if we talked about it last year, because we definitely talked about Smile. The smile? Year. Yes. In Smile, something happened to me, and I was like, because I remember it came on, and who was that with? Oh, I was with Cornelia. 
but oh, so random. I was with Cornelia as if I'm not always like <laughs> with her. Um, love you, girl. But I remember I turned to her, I was like, oh my God, it's that guy that Alex loves. Alex loves him. I literally remember telling her this in the theater. I was like, <laughs> and then the movie goes on and I was like, wait, I think I love this guy. <laughs> um, and I was like, and then it's been a sickness. I remember then later in the year, Roberto watched Smile and he was like, text me about Kyle Gallner. And I was like, oh my God, girl, I know. Like, we got to make our movie and we got to fucking cast Kyle Gallner so I can like scoop him up. And he's like, oh girl, he's married. And I literally would have thought like when like a bomb goes off and there's like the ringing in your ears, it's like the, I was like, <laughs> what? And I thought, I was like, are you kidding? If you're joking, tell me you're joking right now. He's like, no, he's married. And I was like, I think you're talking about the wrong person. I think you looked at the wrong person. Like, he's married. And I was like, <laughs> it like ruined my whole year for a poem. And I'm still getting over it. Because this happened in like February. Um, and then there's the other guy that starts opposite him in The Passengers. I cannot think of his last name. His first name is Johnny. Somebody will know who I'm talking about. I'm trying to pull it up. But of course, my internet is like not working okay. right now. Um, Keep talking. I'll look it up. He he definitely got popular on like Twitter and I think TikTok and stuff because he would he's very much a horror fan. He's an overt horror fan. He would like do these like kind of comedy bit skits or he'd be like playing different like trope characters from like movies, especially like horror movie stuff. Um, Johnny Birch told. Yes. Um he gives a great performance in this. The only thing I'd ever seen him in is he's briefly uh he has a brief appearance on the show The Wilds. Um and I'd never seen him in anything else. Um, he truly, like, the great performances in this. Overall, the movie, not my favorite. Didn't fully come together for me. But Carter Smith, who directed it, also directed a movie. Came out in 2008, which I would love to recommend. Which I actually, for the first time, watched it with Alex, which I'll come back around to that. Is The Ruins. Um yeah. And I watched it with Alex, I believe, when I came to your house. It was the day before my wedding. Yeah. And I, my stupid ass, mind you, this is based on a book, which I read the book at the top of this year, second book I read this year, loved, great book. Then I had Roberto read it and he really loved it. Um, And I had this book in my possession on my fucking reading list for so long. When Alex pulls up the Ruins movie, my stupid ass doesn't click that it's the fucking book that I have. Because if I had known, I probably would have been like, oh, I want to read the book first. So I watched the movie and I'm like, yeah, it was fun. And then I fucking read the book and I'm like, oh. This is the fucking book for the movie, which as of course, book is always better than the movie. Usually nine times out of 10. Love the book. Highly recommend. But the movie, they make change. It's really interesting because they make changes from the book. Um, but both are still good separately on their own. And I rewatched the movie then with Roberto after he finished the book and we had fun with that too. So would definitely recommend 2008 The Ruins. Um, I won't say anything. I won't spoil anything. But I remember when I was watching it, I was like, do you see what's happening? Do you see, do you see that? And I was like, Yes, I do. Um, yeah, <laughs> things are happening in that movie that you wouldn't expect. So my recommendation is Carter Smith's The Ruins. Carter Smith just stays casting my dream men because I did yeah. see The Ruins in theaters uh, when I was in, oh God, 2008. I was in high school and I had a, such a huge thing for Jonathan Tucker. Oh my <laughs> God, girl. I was obsessed with him. And I was like, oh, a horror movie starring Jonathan Tucker? Uh, I'm I'm there immediately. My ass is seated. So, yeah, what a great time! I hadn't seen it in years. When I was like, oh, "Do you want to watch The Ruins?" It was such a delightful time. Still holds up. Yeah. I think Jenna Malone is in it too, isn't she? Yep. And I remember Amazing. you telling me, which then I said something. 
because we watched when we rewatched the ruins me and roberto we like had like a group come over and watch it i don't remember why because like abby was there (laughs) ruby was there i think Miriam was there i don't know uh because i think i think Miriam martha ruby came because roberto had been like reciting to them the plot of the book for some reason over several days doesn't matter Mm -hmm. um but I remember I said to the room, I was like, oh, something Alex pointed out to me, which I loved, was that she – it was so important to her in this one scene early on in the movie. It's not Jenna Malone. It's the other girl yes. that she's topless. But whatever it was, it was like she has like – her, her like nipples were not hard. Remember? She has like, like yes. bigger areolas or whatever. And they, you – I love it because anytime you see a naked woman – they like ice those nips up and so they have the hard nipples. And as a woman, you know, a lot of the time, if you're not cold, you have soft areolas and they just look different. There's nothing wrong with them. They're just as beautiful, but you never get to see a soft areola in film because they always want the hard nip. And she's just changing. And I remember being like 16, being like, look at those soft boobies. I love it. I was, I just was like, oh, those look like boobs that I know. Wow. I know. And I shared it and I wasn't obviously in any way being like, Alex, so silly. But I was like, I love that she shared that because I think universally, I'm sure all people feel this, but I can only speak for women. that like, because of the way that blah, 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 like we're portrayed and you have to look and like, uh, and it fucks your fucking brain forever. And you have to slowly unwork that shit that like, truly it's so sad on one end of it. But like seeing something so simple as like a fucking two second shot of this woman's soft areola, you're like, oh my God. I literally feel seen and I feel normal now. Yeah. And it's fucked up. It's they're just like, for, for the boob to look like that? No, okay, literally. Great. And it's yeah. like, and they're not making a weird thing about it. It's no, it's normal. Oh my God, I'm normal. Like, sadly, you have to latch on to those things. But I digress. It's stuck with me for 15 years. <laughs> I know, girl, because you brought it up and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Excellent choice. Um, So for my pick... I will say there were a lot of movies this year that fell short for me that I easily could have picked. But the challenge is finding something equally great to recommend from that director. So the film I've chosen, I want to be clear, I do not think it's a bad film. I do not think it's something that like you should avoid. I think it's perfectly fine. I gave it a middle of the road rating, but it's not something that stuck with me or something that I would really recommend or watch again. Um, and it is a film called There's Something Wrong with the Children. Okay. Which that was a Blumhouse one, right? Yes, I believe it was Blumhouse. Um, it's perfectly fine. I honestly don't remember a ton of it, which I think speaks to the fact that it was fine. But it was directed by a woman named Roxanne Benjamin, who has made segments in two of my, well, I don't want to say two of my favorite, but two anthology films, one of which is my, absolutely in my top three of all time favorite anthology films ever. I'm obsessed with it. And another that I really enjoy. So the first film that is one of my favorites is called Southbound. I've probably talked about it on here before. It's a 2015 anthology film about people on a desert highway, kind of like the highway to hell. And it's really graphic and violent and spooky. Every single segment in Southbound hits for me. Hers is my favorite of all of them, which says something because I think they're all great. And if you are not already intrigued, other directors involved in this are David Bruckner, who did The Night House, um, and Radio Silence does the opening and ending culmination one it's a really great time 
She also did a segment in a 2017 film called XX, which is a collection of four short films, all directed by different women, kind of all about, you know, motherhood or womanhood in some way. Um, You know, they're not all amazing, but I do think that XX is absolutely worth your watch. If you're a Melanie Linsky fan, there's a really great one in there. So yeah, maybe don't rush to see there's something wrong with the children, but absolutely check out her short horror in Southbound and XX. Nice. All right. Well, now we move on to the final part of the episode, which is where we talk about um, movies that we are excited to come out in 2024, which I was curious. I was like, because mm-hmm. last year we did obviously one each, and then we were like, oh, we can rapid fire some off. But I was like, what were the ones that we each said? Which mine, because I was like, I wonder if they came out or we saw them. And mine was Five mm-hmm. Nights at Freddy's, which I will say, Matthew Lillard, <laughs> no. Peter Extraordinaire, he never fucking lets me down. And I do love, and I did see it. And I do love that they used those goddamn practical fucking suit animatronics. I thought those were fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. Keeping it positive. And Josh Hutcherson. Everyone's talking about like his return to the screen. To be fair, yes, he hasn't really been in movies. But y'all are sleeping on Future Man, the fucking show he was on on Hulu. Mm-hmm. I fucked with that show. That show was really fucking funny. And that's what solidified for me where I was like, Josh Hutcherson needs to be in comedies. Because he also has a small role. I know you've seen this film, The Tragedy Girls. You've seen Tragedy yeah. Girls, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Which is a movie that I've revisited several times. I'm always like, I feel like I should like this more than I do. And it's not bad, but I'm never like, I want to like love it, but I don't. He has a small role in that where he's also really funny. And I'm just like, this is where we're sleeping. Put this motherfucker. I mean, I'd love to have him in horror, obviously. But like, put this motherfucker in some funny shit. I digress. But I obviously saw that. And I was like, well, what did Alex pick? And you were really excited for this. And then it didn't come out. And I don't think it has a release date. Is it the space so. movie? It's the Spaceless Gore Verbinski movie. Yeah, um, I never came out. Because I was like, what did she even say? And then you were talking about Spaceless. So I was like, did that? And I was like, oh my God, did it come out? She didn't know. And then I looked it up and it hasn't come out yet. Um, oh. But just out of curiosity, I wanted to bring that up. But um, I remember we also talked about, quote unquote, Disappointments Boulevard, which ended up being Bo is Afraid. Yes. Which um, was on the short list for me, uh, for my list, because it was uh, quite an epic. It was long, girl. It was on. And I <laughs> I was at the Directors Guild premiere. Before. Um, and somebody else was there. We won't talk about that. Um <laughs> anyways, um, well, if I have to pick just one to start with, the movie I'm so fucking excited for, um, for uh 2024 is Lisa Frankenstein. Um re- re- I can't sp- fucking speak. Written by Diablo Cody who obviously I love so much of her work. I know Cornelia's mm-hmm. a big fan of Diablo Cody, um, but obviously in the horror realm, known for Jennifer's body. Um, the trailers for this look really fun and really great. I cannot wait. And they use, um, I don't know if y'all are familiar, but Kim Petras had released like mm-hmm. a horror Halloween album uh, like a few years back called Turn Off the Lights, which was my whole fucking personality because it fucking hits and i always was like people are not using these fucking songs these are prime fucking fucking shake your ass horror songs and no one uses them and the only time i've ever witnessed them be used is like it was like an into the dark movie used one one time and then i think it was like featured one time on like american horror stories and i was like okay so um peace and love i'd like something more interesting and fun and better to use these songs and i'm hoping that lisa frankenstein because they used one in the fucking trailer is that fucking movie but i'm true i'm so excited i'm sad i feel like it comes out in february for like okay. a movie but really excited really excited wow 
Yeah, that sounds great. I'm into it. Um, I have a list of movies that I jotted down that I'm excited about, but I will. Um, oh God, there's so many. There's we so many that fire, I'm No, we'll do it after. But the one I will I will highlight. It's gonna be another situation. It's gonna be another fucking Gore Verbinski situation where it doesn't come out and I look yeah. like an idiot. But when I was going through, like, what's coming out next year, the one that caught my eye the most that I was like, "What is this? I need more information." Is a film called Dust Bunny, mm. which is directed and written by Brian Fuller, who I'm a huge fan of because he did the Hannibal series um, with Mads Mikkelsen, that I think is a fucking work of art. I cannot fathom that NBC actually aired Hannibal on cable. It still to this day blows my mind because it is so violent and graphic. Uh-huh. I love Hannibal. That's just an additional recommendation. It just dropped on Shutter. If you, all three seasons are available, fucking watch mm-hmm. it. Brian Fuller directs, stars Mads Mikkelsen and Sigourney Weaver. Oh. And David Desmalchian, who has like become such a huge name in horror over the last few years. And it is about an eight-year-old girl who asks her scheming neighbor for help in killing the monster under her bed that she thinks ate her family. Jesus Christ. I I don't know anything more than that. There's no release date. That's literally all the information. But based on that one-line synopsis, the fact that Brian Fuller and Mads Mikkelsen are attached, I want it immediately. I need it. Mother Sigourney Weaver, y'all have to keep me away because I'm banging down the fucking door. Um, Wow. Let's go back and forth. And hit, right. some, hit some other ones. I'm excited for Imaginary with the evil teddy bear that's coming out for Blumhouse. Amazing. Can't wait to finish our trilogy with Maxine. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, I'm excited for a movie called Your Monster starring Melissa Barrera. Oh, I want that Strangers trilogy directed oh, by Rennie yeah. Harlan. They're I all coming that. out next year. Um, I know. Supposedly, finally now it has a, a, a year date. Um, the... Uh, Leslie Vernon behind the mask sequel before the mask is coming out next year, supposedly. So y'all know I'm oh, fucking excited. Um, I think it's a polarizing series after the second one. I'm so all in terrifier three, baby. Give it to me. Okay. I'm an art. The clown Stan. Um, the, um, Wolfman movie directed by Lee Winnell. Yes. Oh, sorry. Christopher Abbott, who I also am obsessed yeah. with. Oh, where's your um, supposed to be Ryan Gosling? It was a tough blow. Okay. To with but I'm also okay with Christopher. Smile too. I'm a big Smile fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, Robert Eggers Nosferatu. Uh, they follow. Oh my God! Yes. Yes. Um, I saw the TV Glow, directed by the same woman that did direct. Yep. Um, we're all going to the World's Fair, which I wasn't a fan of, but I saw the TV Glow synopsis is really intriguing to me. Yes. Uh, saw Eleven because I am a fucking jigsaw stan. Right. 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 Um. Weapons, Zach Kreger film starring Pedro Pascal, oh. and that goddess whose name is escaping me from uh, the worst person in the world. Literally, she's the most beautiful woman in the world. Right? Oh, she's great. Um, Final Destination 6, because it's going to be terrible, but I will see them all. Anytime you make a new one, I will see it. I will be sat. Um, I think that that might be... Oh, oh, there's a movie called um, Cuckoo starring Hunter Schaefer that's yes. supposed to come out. That I would like to see. Yeah, I saw that. And my last one, it comes out in January, which means it's probably bad because we know horror movies that come out in January come out in that time because they're bad. But um, I'm really intrigued by Night Swim. I'm intrigued to see 
how the fuck they make it a whole movie because I know it started mm-hmm. as a short and but right. it, there's always that thing where it's like and get out in the pool you know what I'm saying where it's just right. like the monsters in the pool but they're not going in the pool um right. so I don't know I don't remember the titles because I didn't write them down but M. Night Shyamalan does have a new movie coming out next year which obviously I'm excited about okay. and his daughter is coming out with her first directorial feature which I'm going to be seated for wow okay congratulations to them both well that concludes the 2023 New Year's Eve special. So first and foremost, Happy New Year's Eve. Um, if you haven't checked yet at this point, uh, we probably have the winner of our Screamy Awards uh, posted on our Instagram story, which um, if you are up to date, you could have voted on on our Twitter. And if you weren't, remember for next year, we have the, the voting held on our Twitter and the results posted on our Instagram on New Year's Eve. Um, and if you're itching for more, don't even worry, because literally tomorrow, January 1st, which is a Monday, first Monday of the month, you're getting our first episode of the year, which we will not say what it is, but it's a good it's a time. Good and we did pick a movie this time that we both liked and wanted to talk about. So we were breaking yeah, the it was the best movie I think we've done in a while and it's definitely one I demand people watch because it is no it's so good and if you're not watching it you're missing out um but yes thank you for staying with us through 2023 um through the plethora of episodes we've released through the ending of season three and the starting of season four um it means so much to us to anybody that listens, especially people that have us in their top five podcasts of the year. That's a serve. Um, no, literally. Um, and yeah, we just love you guys so much and it's it means the world to us. Yeah, and here's to hopefully a fantastic year of horror coming up. I know there's a lot in addition to what we've already mentioned that's going to come out. I'm sure there's going to be some hidden gems that drop on Shutter and elsewhere that I will have never heard of and will absolutely adore so yep you know just keep making horror keep being yep. creepy and don't get covid Woo! yeah don't get covid like us uh all right creeps keep it creepy in 2024 bye happy new year bye